Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another episode of Inside the Firm. I'm here with your main host, Lance Psycho. I'm the co-host, the guy that just walks around, says things, Al Gore. How's it going? Good. I like what you're, I like your get up today, Al. Yeah, and I got this is ready to pull off so that we can play some volleyball. Yeah. Later. A little company outing today, huh? A little team building. Absolutely. So most of the firm will be at um, Are you guys going to the lake? Yeah, but I got to drive by to make sure they didn't take down the net. Ooh. I don't know what to do then. That's tricky. So we're going to go play volleyball, and then I don't feel too bad for Lance and Ross because they can't come but get to go on a brewery tour. So Yeah. yeah. We got our very first uh, from the ground up new brewery project, and so uh, we're we're doing some uh, critical research at the breweries this afternoon (laughs) in Fort Collins. Real excited about it. Investigate that brewery. Real excited about it. Yeah. All good. Very technical. Technical indeed. Yep. Speaking of technicalities, if you technically don't know how to run Revit, you technically, I question who you are. Obviously, there might be some reason why you don't know it. But if you're drawing buildings, you need to get into it. And the best way to get into it is RevitRocketShip.com, where Lance and I show you how to use Revit from the ground up using simple families, building you up how to model that, to how to model a project using the method of model as you would construct so once you get into it, you realize the benefits of that, how takeoffs become more accurate, how understanding the concept. So when it gets constructed, it relates back to what you already did. Or um, that also relates to younger staff learning the construction process through modeling. And then you get our template and then our videos on how to start your own project, right? Because a lot of people get stuck at that tipping point. Okay, we, we learned all this stuff. Now, how do I be creative and use these tools, um, these sweeps to make make cool forms or regular forms, whatever you want to do. RevitRocketShip.com. Go there. Try it out. Try it out. And one thing I would add to Al is we haven't talked about this, but takeoffs. So uh, two, two or three weeks ago, I spent a couple hundred dollars on one of these companies to do takeoffs. And it was high, it was very inaccurate. It was not worth it at all. I, no, you didn't tell me this. Yeah. So I... So... Our, my le- but I feel like we I had to sometimes you got to literally just try it out try something sure. out make a mistake and realize a mistake own it and then go okay that just reinforces for me how critical it is when we do construction projects to use our template and get the correct takeoffs done how did uh, you know it was inaccurate was it from did you only realize it once you ordered it or did you go back in the model and I go it? back in the mo- I go back I went back in the model there was a crazy amount of misinterpretations about what we were doing. Oh, yeah. But it was so bad that, and I'm not going to name the company, but it was sure. so bad that uh, then when I cross-checked the framing takeoff, the framing takeoff was like, here's the lineal feet that you need. It wasn't, you need 14 studs at 8 feet, 12 studs at 10 feet. Like that is that is critical, especially in this highly competitive building market. Every cent matters for you to try to win projects. So being and 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 just being like conscious of uh, not being wasteful of materials yep. is critical. 
And they will do lineal feet. Like when the takeoffs come from the lumber, it will say two by eights and it'll say 22 and yeah. it'll say so many lineal feet. And I understand that they do takeoffs by lineal feet, but like if you don't break it down into the stuff, you're not, you're not solving our problem because if you just say 500 lineal feet of lumber, okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, the more you model. So what I did is then I had um, uh, Ross and Rebecca <clears throat> actually physically model in this tenant finish that we're going after the studs the joists and within i'm not joking because they, it took them about four to six hours to do it but not only not only did it give me extremely accurate takeoffs then because they they modeled everything and i could just do it with the schedules but then it also gave us a frame literally a framework for when we have the construction crew out there like oh this is here's the 3d image of here's the 3d images of how the walls are supposed to go up there should be no inaccuracies. Yeah, I'm going to show you this. If anyone has any experience with this plugin, we would love for you to, to tell us. Um, what, what is it? It's called AGA-CAD. Oh, this is the framing one, but yeah? this is a different one. Uh-huh. So, like, look at... look at What Alex is showing me, scrolling through, and it's just showing, like, all of these uh, different framing packages. Like, it goes down to each wall, lists them out, um, and shows them like that. What is it called again? AGA-CAD. So... You can do a wall framing and then you can put it on the sheet. You know, you can do a roof truss. The, you know, I really want to figure out how to click on the roof truss and just, bam, lays it out. It would be awesome. I feel like, I feel like it's 2020. Let us know if, if that's... Question mark? Yeah. But then again, see even that, like how much is that? How much does that cost? No idea. Okay. We don't know. But either way, then I think it's like on you again, one more cost evaluation of like, does it just make sense for my team to physically model these things? If we're going to trans, if you're transitioning some projects into into building projects, versus buying this piece of software, and that let's say all of the framing takes six hours, and then with this it takes one, and then you go in your head, okay, I say five hours times a hundred dollars, so five hundred dollars a time. If I do five projects, it's let's say it's five thousand dollars. Bam, you make it. Yeah, but you got to know that. Right. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. And if you're looking, uh, so also Al, did you know every day. I do not. More, now you will. More architecture professionals are adding ArcCat to their workflow to save them time and money. ArcCat helps designers, specifiers, and architects compare and select the best products for their projects with their powerful search engine. They also offer data files like BIM, CAD, and specifications right on the same site for free without registration. So visit ArcCat.com today and see why so many professionals, including yours truly, are considering consolidating their product search to one task, visit arccat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. All right. We have a listener question. Yes. I'll read it to you. It says, hey, Lance um, and Al. doesn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Hope all is well with you and the F9 gang. Just wanted to say great job on the Trends podcast. Showed some good insight on how to pivot your business to the next big thing. Quick question. Wondering if you guys can chat about ways to speed up the permitting mm. process. I've been burning through hours lately due to municipalities being overwhelmed with COVID, real estate sales, and a housing boom here in NG, uh, New Jersey. Uh, any insights slash tip would be helpful. Be well and stay helpful. Be, be well and stay healthy. Um, does he mean reviewing it or getting things through? I think... Uh, I'm going to just step out on a limb here. So, by the way, that was Frank Collada. Thank you for the Lister question. Anybody can e text me anytime on LinkedIn, Facebook, 
uh, Twitter, whatever. You'll be able to find us, right? Uh, a question. Uh, we love these. So, but I think what it is is the permitting process he's talking about is just in in general, and then maybe specifically. So probably two two parts, right? Overall, I think it just comes back to my, my state. My my stance on this is is like we we need to really encourage public and private partnerships. We're never getting away with. We're never getting around the public sector. That's just that's the psychology is there. It's baked in. We're not getting away from it. But this idea that we we shouldn't have a competing entity who, let's say, the public sector gets overwhelmed like you're talking about, why aren't we having, like, safe built come in and review half the plans or something like that? Right. And so if this if, if I was in the AIA, this is something I would be pushing for with their lobby, right? If I was uh, a realtor who... Or, or, or if I was, a, like, part of a realtor's association or a contractor's association, this is what I would be pushing for lobby-wise, and it can start with the local lobby situation. So that that's the effort, I think, that, that needs to happen. And then when it comes down to speeding up your permitting process, um, one, one method that we've done lately is, <clears throat> is that once we submit, we will ask the reviewer and try to stay really on top of them about, okay, we just submitted. Can you at least, can you give us a worst case scenario of when we're looking for, for your first round of comments to come back? And then... Get them to commit to saying something in writing. Put a put a, put a calendar event on your calendar. Mm. Invite them. Invite uh, invite the the owner, um, wh- whoever your your team. And then if they don't meet that, you know you don't get mad at them or anything, but just hey, check it in. We had it on the schedule. We're expecting uh, comments back, but at least you have some sort of a uh, something in writing that's holding everybody accountable, in yep. in some sense. Yep. Um, I echo that. Also, if you're working for the first time in the city or if you've never done this trick, I would suggest calling them and then asking to talk for a plans reviewer uh, and then asking them if they have a say, hey, I'm just trying to make sure this goes smoothly. I understand that uh, there's a lot of work coming in and, uh, you know, it's hard to review all these. Do you have a like a standard uh, checklist or, or notes of the common uh, review items that you put on there and they probably should I everyone I've talked to they should mm-hmm. they said yes I do I said could you send that to me because I'd love to tackle those ahead of time but tell everybody why you're calling versus just looking on their website for it oh because this is because on the website it just says you know comply with IBC IRC whatever and it'll give you a checklist too sure but but they have Bob or Jane or whoever is sitting there and they've made up their own Word yes. document and be like, I catch this every they single time. They have an internal one. They have an internal one. And it's different from person to person. And they're just making themselves more efficient, right? Yeah. So if you were a plan reviewer and if this was the question, like I would make that common checklist of here's what to look for, here's what to focus on, and here's what I see most of the time, right? Um, the I like the idea of safe built and, and you know... The reason why they're more efficient is not just because they're private, it's because they understand to boil down to what's important and what's not. The city will sometimes go on and on and on and on and on and on about things that do not matter. Where if you're doing that in a private sector, they're like, why are you wasting their time on this when it does not affect billing code, life, safety, welfare, and you're literally just making us lose money? Like there's no accountability there, right? Um, so, I, I like that. I wish that somehow that could transition to the permitting process of 
planning and zoning, not just building. Because building departments are normally the most reasonable and, and not that bad. Yeah, I, I feel I, I feel like for the most part the building departments do a pretty pretty bang up job. It's the planning departments and we're just like, Ugh, what are you what are you doing? So there you go. Good question. Yeah. Al Gore, you got a clip to play? No, I thought that was you. I oh, I put in play clip. One second here. Oh yes. Yes, I do have a clip to play. Perfect. It is me. <laughs> <laughs> You're truly Lance Psycho. <laughs> I was on a uh, awesome podcast uh, a couple months ago, but it just got published this last week. It's if you go to sustainablebusiness.co and or you just Google sustainable. Uh, what you're looking for is episode 275, uh, Nine Foundation Principles with Lance Psycho. And he provided me um, with this with this awesome little clip that I'm going to pull up here in just one second. What was his name again? Uh, Josh. That's right. So I've got a clip here uh, to play you guys because he cut out the he cut out the good part. And then uh, I just want to see what Al has to say because what I did was, ah, oh, there it is. What I did was is uh, I followed Al's lead mm. about, um, let's see here, about uh, our nine principles. And I want to see if like I, if I echoed them correctly. Good, good. Okay, here we go. Be brilliant at the basics. If you're not good at the basic task that you're doing, and if you don't master it, how can you ever teach that to somebody else so that they can follow in your lead and you can start to multiply? I mean, that's the whole idea behind starting any companies, whether it's service-based or product-based, is you need to really hone in on, on what you're doing and become a master at it before you can multiply it and then obviously make more money and prosper and flourish. Training and learning is, again, a force multiplier. We learned the hard way that one of the very first employees that we hired, we just assumed, because he was actually older than us, that he knew how to uh, use our software and that he would be up to our standards and everything. And it was a kind of a nightmare for a couple months. When we bring somebody in, there's three days of training that happens before they're ever billable. And it just, again, reinforces that foundation. And then we can multiply them again and, and their force factor because we've trained them properly. We know mistakes happen and nobody's perfect. There are going to be mistakes. The critical part is to take ownership of those mistakes, take ownership of your work. Because when people hire us as service-based professionals, they are trusting with us with giant decisions in their life and their businesses and their money. So they wanna see us own problems, own solutions and move towards them. Deliver value to be valuable. So ask yourself, what is critical? How can we deliver value? What does the client need to see? How can your drawings help the contractor build a project? What will make the permit review easier for the building official? So it's just a critical analysis of yourself of what kind of value am I bringing to the table? So the best one, have fun. Life is too short to have a bad attitude. And if you're an entrepreneur, then you know that you're already doing if you're a happy one anyway, you're already doing something you're very passionate about and it doesn't feel like work. It feels like more of a pursuit. Your systems are going to set you up for success or failure. And that's what these nine principles you know, are intended to do. And then it goes all the way back to that training and being, being good at the basics. Because everybody's on the same page at our firm and they understand the training, the systems, that somebody, if somebody leaves and somebody else has to take the project from them 50% of the way through, they can do it without a hiccup. It's really great how we can shuffle work around like that and be fluid. Al Gore, how did I do? You nailed it. Um, if you want to see, you covered probably half of them. So if you go to f9productions.com forward slash foundations, 
or if you're just at f9productions.com, under the about, you'll see a tab called foundations. Yeah. And it goes over all of those in details. And, and those are just what we communicate to everyone here of this is our standard. This is what we want you to do. So, it, and everyone knows that. And, you know, not everyone's going to get it perfect right away. But we can always point back to like one of them is communicate, which respond within 24 hours. Like people can say, oh, yeah, I did mess that up. Right. We knew it. It wasn't. It's not. Happened this morning. Yep. We did not. <laughs> uh, we someone did not respond to the um, the email out to go get a dumpster to a new job site, and now it's a couple of days behind, and so now the guys are going to have to just stack garbage on the freaking apron, and that's critical. Yep. Critical path. Critical path. Um. Also, so someone did someone reach out? Then I to? did reply. Yep. Okay. I did not copy you on the email, that's but fine. I took care of it. Okay. 7.45 a.m. this morning. Good for you. Done deal. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Al bullies the city gore. What in the heck happened this week, Al? That was an amazing day. It, it was, was like uh, Al was up and down and angry and crazy. It was, it was, I was getting calls because what happened is like they'll call me. Uh, they'll call, sometimes they'll call me and then they'll call Al and they'll be like, oh, I'm looking for Al or Lance or whatever. So I had to play phone tag and stuff like that. Al had to take my phone. But man, he, so, he got it done. And, and uh, I actually have a great relationship with the city and, and, and all that. Yeah. It just happens that they decided that they wanted something, right? Which is fine. But, and, and normally I will try to accommodate what they want. But it was way too late. And just because you want something doesn't mean that you're going to get it. And they were starting hard out. This is what you have to do. You have to dig up this whole area. We have to hand dig it because it's in this w- weird area. Um, and then replace, uh, put this electrical line in, in a sleeve. And I remember having, I go, well, we covered it up and the, um, city inspector inspected it twice and said, well, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. You got to do this. So, so finally, like going back and forth, um, and then looking at their code, and then, then I asked them, specifically tell me, specifically tell me where I need to do this. And they sent me the link to the information that, that, that I knew that they'd probably reference, right? And that was basically the electrical line that's serving the, the whole neighborhood, right? That you don't come off of it, right? So finally, I get a call from, from one of the head guys, and, and he's telling me that we need to do this. I go, okay, if I rebury it, at mm-hmm. what depth do I need to bury it at? I go, because I'm getting conflicting information, you know, 24 inches, 18 inches, 36 inches. He said, well, you can do it at 24 inches. I go, exactly. 24 inches is NEC code, and you don't have to bury it with a sleeve. If you go 18 inches, you do have to bury it with a sleeve. Um, I go, everything, every one of your documents that you're telling me is saying that I should have sleeved it is mentioning 36 inches and is referencing the main power line to, you know, everything, not the one that comes in, right? And he's like, well, this has just been our standard. And I go, I'm telling you, there's many houses, many, many houses built like this. And he's like, well, yeah, 10 years ago. I go, nope. <laughs> it was recent as, as, as two years ago. Um, and, then, and then I knew the code too that if a house was over 200 amps, that all of this is allowed too. So I go, you already have a provision that allows for this. So under the circumstances where the city inspector was out there twice mm-hmm. because it was at 24 inches and he goes, Hey, can you bury it a little bit deeper just to make sure, you know, just to make sure the top of it is below 24 yeah. inches said, no, no problem. problem. 
then came out exactly so i had to call the excavator he came up you know did all that so did extra work then 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 he came out saw it then we buried it and now you're telling me to unbury it and i go that inspector has actually been like really nice and, and, and great but some building inspectors come out and they're grumpy as hell mm-hmm. and i have to put on this happy face <laughs> i have to walk around and be like, yeah like yes sir what do you need yep. you know do everything yep. and it's all my fault and now when it's your fault you're telling it it's my fault again i go this is not acceptable not acceptable this i like i like that phrase i like that phrase yeah that's a it's it's a firm but it's not a dick phrase like it's not a mean phrase it's just the truth yep yep and everything is still in compliance and works still honestly it would be a 50 50 chance they said yes it's fine it works you know it's within code so so all that's great but like um it was it was a seesaw and i had to go up the change and know my code and 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 fight to not do something just because you know they wanted to i i understand why we'll do it in the future it's no big deal um but the way that this went down we just had to work with them and they worked with us so it's all good good job al seriously you Uh. kicked butt um another thing we've been thinking about lately is uh to should be we just got a slew of gosh as belts. I feel like I feel like you had you had two over the past two weeks that came in where people need to go down and measure up existing yeah. buildings. We had I had four on my side. It's just a just a and we haven't even hit the cold period here yet in Colorado. And if people are if you're listening to this and you're a longtime listener, um, you already know what I'm about to say. If you're a new person, what I'm about to say I think is true. I need to do some metrics at some point, but it is once we have a really once we have a cup of serious cold snap here. People go back into their houses, and then they hate them, and then they, then they, then they contact us, and we get we get hired, right? Yep. So it made me it made me ask Rebecca uh, yesterday, like, what would it cost for us to do a laser scanner? What is it worth it to speed it up? So we're having that analysis right now. It's it sounds like there's two levels of it. Yep. And the first level is basically a Matterport Pro Two, which is. With a monthly subscription, I think we'd use the professional, it's just $69 a month. So it's $3,000. The problem with that is that you can do interiors, but not exteriors. And I'm actually almost okay with that. Because if you have the interiors, the only thing is like the wall thicknesses on the exterior. Um, But, I mean, you can look at door width, window width, and then take pictures of the outside. So that might be okay. The next level... They said the imagery, you know, is good, but what you really want is this uh, Leica BLK360 or the Leica RTC360. Those are $20,000 and $60,000. That's a big difference. That is a huge difference. And what I want to get to... I can't believe there's no in-between solution. I know. I know. But the three... And then... So you don't know this, but the... Guys are at, um, they were at one of the job sites doing an ads build and the homeowner knew about this technology and he even stated the I, the iPhone 12 is apparently supposed to be able to integrate it. Hmm. Right. Um, I don't know when that's all coming out. That's also, you know, like a thousand dollars if we had a, you know, a a phone that did it, but I'm wondering if that's going to be what breaks the camel's back. Yeah. Right. Because you have this $3,000 system or twenty dollars or $60,000. And this is what leads into the, the next segment is like 
there's a division of labor. And if you know construction, you know, you know, there's framers, there's finished carpenters, there's drywallers, even drywallers is breaking into two people sometimes, right? The people that put it up and then the, the mud, you know, the tapers and the mudders, right? And it all has to do with tools and equipment. That's what it has to do yeah. with is can you bring enough tools and equipment right to it? And that's, that's why these laser scanners, why maybe not a lot of firm has it, because if you have the better one, let's say the $20,000 one, and that's all you do, all of a sudden you can beat out our price because we only do that once a week, mm-hmm. once every two weeks where they're doing it every single day. So you get a better price if, if you go with, with them. Right. But, but what that means is now you're beholden their schedule. You're, you know, like how many people are in that industry, how available are they? Um, but the same thing with mutters, tapers, all that. If, if you have to buy all these tools, you have to carry that overhead that whole time so that it's cheaper essentially to just use a, a specialist. The problem with yeah. that though is here's the problem, right? Think about a manufacturing process. It's all about increasing velocity, velocity of the raw materials through the process mm-hmm. to the end. That's what it's about, right? And it's about having like knowing the order and not having big um, uh, inventory, right? Because you have to hold that inventory. It might go out of stock. It, it's about shortening that time frame as much as, as possible. So the other way to think about it is, okay, what tools are not that expensive? Hammers aren't that expensive. Um, a, a brush isn't that expensive. Um, even maybe a painting. It depends on your idea of what's expensive because maybe uh, an item that's one to $300 and is inexpensive, but anything over $2,000 is. And here's what I'm getting at is that we might be looking at a different sort of system, meaning more of our team doing more of the process. So they can be after framing, they can even do drywall, they can do flooring, they can do cabinets, they can even mud and and sand, uh, and then they can go into painting afterwards, and it's the same crew, so it's just, just smooth. You don't have to, I mean, we had this argument this morning. We had this argument this morning Where's the crews? Where are they going to be? What are they doing? Uh, pulling them back and forth. And, it, you know, we smoothed it out. But, Temp- but temp- Yeah, exactly. Like, like theoretically pulling them back and forth when we didn't even need to, you but, know? But, yeah. But then also, it inevitably leads to down days. Yes. It's just, it's just going to happen because you, you can't have it perfect. So, all of a sudden, you get a cheaper price, but now you have to contend with these all these schedules and, and what's going on. And I've even... Um, the painters... Painters and drywallers. Remember here we had the issue with like sanding and like, hey, we shouldn't have to sand. It should have been come sanded. Um, maybe you weren't in this conversation. Keep right? going though. Yeah, it doesn't But matter. they're arguing back and forth whose responsibility it is. The same thing happened on our project. And then my drywaller said, Who there's drywall, then there's mud, tape, then they got to wait, then they got to sand it down, right? Then, then after it's sanded, then what he was saying is like, oh, no, you prime it, and then I come back and sand it one more time. So now now I have to have another person come back. Yeah. You know, like, it just it just seems like a, a lot. So, and <clears throat> know who does this in architecture? Who? Uh, Eric Reinhold. I was going to say, yeah. Because he takes on, you know, one, maybe two projects at a time. Yeah. And then, hey, the next client that comes, you just you're just in line. And all of a sudden you have 
your team now, now I'm thinking on the construction side, yep. taking it from doing everything inside besides mechanical electrical plumbing. And then if you could find a team that did all of those, you know, like then you'd only have two entities plus your outside people. Right. And what's cool about having outside people separate is because <clears throat> those crews can be working on the same time. You know what I mean? Like you can be doing landscape while, you know, you don't need to overlap that. I don't know where we're going to go. Maybe follow this podcast and see, but like, I like that idea and maybe it's something and know the benefit that we have that maybe why other people can't do it as much is we have a shop. Yeah. So we could start to organize that stuff and we could start to say like, <clears throat> Hey, just come to the shop and switch out tool sets. You know what I mean? Like here's your drywall stuff. Yes. Here's your painting stuff. Here's your whatever. Right. If, if we, if we can solve this problem and help you solve problems like this, man, I think we're onto something because it's, it's a problem. It's just so many moving parts with construction and, and the intersection of the trades like Alex is talking about and figuring out how to streamline that. But back to where we were at. And and here's why I'll say it's a problem and why I want to solve it. Let's say it's true in this instance, but this, this happens multiple times that the painter is supposed to prime and then another sanding is supposed to come and then he's supposed to come again. It's like, so wait, is that painter? Now, taking a day off doing nothing, which is not good for him, or he's fitting in another project, and somehow he has to time that perfectly that it's only going to take one day. So now you're just extending this timeline, you know? So I wonder if if we do that, (coughs) but now we can shorten the process of everything. But back to to where this originally started with the laser scanner versus... So (laughs) I think we're at... We don't know yet. Uh, For us, it's not the right investment to make. It's... Uh, we, I think if I was to just, uh, let's say we got six new as-builts. I think we have literally next week, if we had six new as-builts, there's, for me, there's, I think there's two options here. Number one is we do the Eric, what Eric Reinhold would do, and that's we can't touch these until January. We can't touch these until February. Yeah. And we stick with our traditional methods. Or, okay, we can tackle them, but we're going to have to bring in this third party who already has the equipment. But I don't. I don't think it's even with those six. The six. If we had six lined up, it's us buying the equipment. I, I wonder too how. I just wish it wasn't so damn expensive. Like tens of thousands of dollars is crazy. Like how can we not get this? If if it would be much more digestible if we get this below ten k. Right. Well, there's this three k option plus yeah. sixty nine dollars a month. But then that only does the interior. That right. That was the right. idea. Yeah. See. And then you. So it's still a hybrid, and it's like I don't know if that's making the right decision. I would like it if we were really, really accurate. I think we're we're accurate, but not really, really accurate. Right. Right. Plus or minus one inch accurate normally. Yeah. Which is acceptable. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know either. I don't know either. Too. Stay tuned. Okay. Elon, get on that. Well, Apple. <laughs> Apple. Like, what go. if it knows and it yeah, knows yeah, all the yeah. locations and you can do it all? Maybe you'll just have to drive in your Model Y into the house. And it will map it there for you. There you go. <laughs> and then you drive it out and it fixes it and it's all good. Yep. That's how that works. So that's all That's all I have. Maybe maybe Nick has some inspirational ideas for Boy, us. I hope so. Hello, best friends. What a week this week. A reading. In this present crisis... Government is not the solution to our problem. Government 
is the problem. From time to time, we've been tempted to believe that society has become too complex to be managed by self-rule. That government by an elite group is superior to government for, by, and of the people. Well, if no one among us is capable of governing himself, then who among us has the capacity to govern someone else? All of us together, in and out of government, must bear the burden. The solutions we seek must be equitable, with no one group singled out to pay a higher price. We hear much of special interest groups. Well, our concern must be for a special interest group that has been too long neglected. It knows no sectional boundaries or ethnic or racial divisions, and it crosses political party lines. It is made up of men and women who raise our food, patrol our streets, man our mines and factories, teach our children, keep our homes, and heal us when we're sick. Professionals, industrialists, shopkeepers, clerks, cabbies, and truck drivers. They are, in short, we the people. This breed called Americans. So as we begin, let us take inventory. We are a nation that has a government, not the other way around. And this, make, this makes us special among the nations of the earth. Our government has no power except that granted to it by the people. It is time to check and reverse the growth of government which shows signs of having grown beyond the consent of the governed. If we look to the answer as to why, for so many years, we've achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it, would, it was because here in the land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. It is no coincidence that our present troubles parallel and are proportionate to the intervention and intrusion in our lives that result from unnecessary and excessive growth of government. It is time for us to realize that we're too great of a nation to limit ourselves to small dreams. We're not, as some would have you believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall upon us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall upon us if we do nothing. So with all the creative energy at our command, let us begin an era of national renewal. Let us renew our determination, our courage, and our strength. And let us renew our faith and our hope. Well, I believe we, the Americans of today, are ready to act 
worthy of ourselves. Ready to do what must be done to ensure happiness and liberty for ourselves, our children, and our children's children. And as we renew ourselves here in our land, we will be seen as having greater strength throughout the world. We will again be the exemplar of freedom and a beacon of hope for those who do not now have freedom. Ronald Reagan, from his inaugural address, January 20th, 1981. Toodles! That was a surprise. I was wondering who that was the whole time. Me too. I almost thought it it, it was going to be like really, really old. You know, like 1846. But it wasn't, the, the speech was a little bit too modern for that. But I knew it was going to be back, back in the day. So Reagan, that was 40 years ago. People don't realize. Yep. 40 years ago. We are old. Yep. So that's all I have. That's all you got. Yeah. I, you I, got? There you go. Don't let, uh, don't, no matter what, don't let, don't let any of this get you down. Remember this happens every four years and it's like pretty panics, but like, I don't know. Life keeps to keep, seems to keep improving. Technology is, is really helpful in that. Uh, prosperity is, is happening. It, it's all going to be good. And, and also remember the story about Al quote unquote fights the city which I didn't yeah they that the government is people that's why I was able to have that conversation yeah. with them I am also a person we're all made up of people trying to navigate our way through this yeah you got it all right I think with that we have uh, let's bring the gang down a little ARG jeopardy Uh, good luck to one of our colleagues who's taking a test right now. So our thoughts and prayers are with him. That's where he's at. <laughs> Question number one. Where and what year was the first zoning code introduced in the United States? Zoning code, United States. A, New York City, 1916. B, Chicago, 1871. C, San Francisco, 1906. Mm. D, Aztec Empire, 1522. God, I hope it's the Aztecs. Just saying, wouldn't that be cool? I don't know. Maybe not. Just, uh, I don't know. Statement. I don't know. I don't know how I would know that if I would know that. All right. We have B, C, B, B. So uh, B was Chicago, 1871, which was the Chicago Fire. No. Uh, not San Francisco, 1906, which was the earthquake. That was C. Not the Aztec Empire because that's when... Spanish were taking over, making uh, their city into Mexico City. It was A, New York City, 1916. Building code? They might. They might have both. No, I thought building code was because of Chicago. That's why I was trying to trick you guys up with legit dates. Yeah. Did they make that? So, so. Uh, Mark just said Chicago has their own building code. Did they make the building code because of the fire? I think so. We think so. <laughs> yeah. Take it, that it as was. fact. It, I think it was. Uh, question two. Did anyone get that right? No? no. Dang. Number two. <laughs> industrial, occupant, industrial occupancy classification. The letter is, you know, A, B, you know, R. Is A, is it F? B, is it H? C, is it I, or D, is it U? Industrial occupancy. A, F, B, 
H C I D U. All right, Ariba, just guess. We C A's A's B. It is A. Oh. Oh, F. Yes, correct. Factory and uh, industrial. F. That's what it's for. Uh, uh, I is institutional. New York City actually implemented the first uh, Nations for Zoning Resolution in 1916 to ensure air and light could reach city streets even in the shadow of behemoth skyscrapers. Gotcha. Scrapers. Okay, number three. Uplift forces from winds affect which... Of the following building features the most. A, building openings. B, roofs. C, roof overhangs. D, cantilevered portions of buildings. Or E, B and C. Classic A-R-E. Classic. E is B and C. Uh, B is roofs and C is roof overhangs. Uplift forces from winds affect which of the following building features the most? There you go. What do we got? Okay, you have, you have, you picked E? Yeah. Okay, E, 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 E is correct. The first building code in the United States was established in 1625 by addressing fire safety and specified materials for roof covering. So they didn't. They used to have chimneys made of wood and thatch coverings. So rough. It was rough back in rough the day. Rough times. Yeah. Uh, okay. Number four. In a multi-story building, each story adds up. Whoop. In a multi-story building, each story adds to the total overturning moment in proportion to what three factors? A. Story shear. B. Mass and slenderness. C. Height above base. D. Weight. Okay, in a multi-story building, each story adds to the total overturning moment in proportion to what three factors? A, story shear. B, mass and slenderness. C, height above base. D, weight. This should be an easy one. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, so there's so you need to pick th you need to pick three you need to pick three. I'm gonna one more chance. In a multi-story building, each story adds the total overturning moment in proportion to what three factors? A story shear, B mass and slenderness, C height above base, D weight. Lance, while they're thinking about this, while they're thinking, what do you think the price of Bitcoin is right now? It's fifteen five. Fifteen five oh nine. Nice. Good guess. I have my Robinhood portfolio open, so. Ah, dang it. <laughs> Sorry. I've been watching it. It's going nuts. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, Rebecca, ACD, BCD, ABC, BCD. The correct answer is uh, A, C, D. Congratulations, Rebecca. So mass and slenderness, just so everybody knows, that only relates to the period. The period of, like, if there's an earthquake. So the taller it is and the more mass it has, the greater the period, right? If the earth shakes, it's going to have a bigger period, meaning it goes back and forth for longer. That's the trick. Okay. So how many who? I got three right. Three? One. one. 
Reba, where are we going to eat today? Lady Killer. Where are we going to eat today? Stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. All right. All Speaking right. of stay tuned, Some while you're waiting salads. for that answer, go to RevitRocketShip.com. Download. Uh, buy it. Learn Revit. Be awesome. That's all I got for you. Follow us on the Twitter. Follow us on the Facebook. Go to Instagram. Link in with us. Uh, we will see you next week.